it can be a little scary, but it doesn't have to be super, you know, crippling scary. Um, and sometimes it can be fun to try something new. And sometimes you try something new and you go like, holy cow, I will never do this again. And that's completely fine. You tried it. Wise words from our sister, Crystal from Diabetes Strong. Look, if you're a type 2 diabetic and you want to get into exercise, maybe you're a little apprehensive. Maybe you had like a bad experience in the past and you want to start all over again and maybe just take that first step, right? Well, that's exactly what we're going to cover. So let's just get right to it. Hi. My name is Davis, and I'm part of a group you've probably never heard of. We can't be defined by the mainstream as together we're the face of a movement. And because we all know that what type 2 diabetes can do to us and the people that we love, we want all the possibilities to live in the life that we deserve. Since we're fighting for ourselves, the people that we love, and for one another, we have to play the game different. We have to play the game smarter. Because the faster we spread our message and help each other out, the faster we're saving lives. The faster we're saving lives, the faster we're saving families. And the faster we're saving families, the faster people just like you and I change the world world forever. So if no one's ever told you, let me be the first to tell you right now that you have every single right to live in the life that you've always wanted, that you have every single thing that it takes within you to crush type 2 diabetes on your own terms, and don't ever let anyone take that from you. Now if you ask someone stuck in the past, they tell you what we're doing is impossible, yet it's happening every single day, all because we chose life over type 2, and these are our stories. Now on a personal note, since we know what works for everybody is different, do not use any of this information to treat, cure, or diagnose type 2 diabetes or any other metabolic condition as any and all changes must come from your doctor's care. I'm simply sharing what's taken me from a total diet failure since I was a kid, then turned morbidly obese and diagnosed type 2 diabetic and ultimately told that I'd probably end up dying the same way that my grandfather did to completely turning everything around and now sharing everything in the hopes to save as many lives and the hopes to save as many families that deal and struggle with the same metabolic condition that I have. So if you haven't already, go ahead and like, subscribe, share this information, and let's get on with the show. Hey, it's Davis. Are you a type 2 diabetic? Have you ever gone from like diet to diet, you know, with like these different ups and downs, and in the end, you just wanted the freedom to be yourself, right? Or maybe you're like me, where you've, you know, gone online and you watch all these other people like Facebook groups or on the internet or whatever, completely turn a page, turn their lives around, and you're like wondering, like, Man, when's it finally going to be my turn, right? Look, if any of this sounds familiar to you, for you, I've made a 21-day free blood sugar challenge. That's right. It's a free 21-day blood sugar challenge, and you can get it right now at lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. That's lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. In it, I reveal all kinds of stuff that you'll probably never see anywhere else. Everything from like the highlighter trick that I use to completely shortcut the success behind a lot of these different type 2 diabetes diets out there without any of the headache, the strain, or any of the pressure, and really the stalls and the breakups that a lot of these other people are going through with those diets, right? At the same time, I show you everything from like how I lost my first 75 pounds without any drugs, exercise, or any hardcore dieting whatsoever, and I even show you the three-step A1C shortcut, and you can get it all right now for free at lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. Again, that's lifeovertype2.com backslash 21 days. Our next guest here is someone who I am a huge um, fan of. This is Crystal Oram of DiabetesStrong.com. And if you haven't learned about her or her work already, I highly suggest it. Again, is DiabetesStrong.com. And her Facebook group is well over 13,000 folks and growing. And one thing that I can absolutely tell you that I absolutely love about it 
is just how supportive it is. Um, unlike some of the other groups out there where there's almost like a hierarchy and it's like it's, you know, black or white with this way or the, you know, this way or the highway. Um, that's definitely not something that you'll find um, at Diabetes Strong. And so I definitely want to thank you, Christelle, for spending some time with us. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, you know, um, everybody's journey is a little bit different. So, you know, um, Christelle um, mm-hmm. is not only a type one diabetic, someone that we can all learn something from. At the same time, she lives and breathes fitness and, you know, diet and exercise. Uh, she's a competitive fitness model. And so if there's anything that we can learn, there's definitely a lot, you know. Um, and so, yeah, if you don't mind me asking here, if we can all kind of like maybe take a step back and see where you maybe you know, may have first started. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me asking here, um, you know, Christelle, like how, how old were you when you were first diagnosed and, and how'd that come along? Sure. Um, yes, as you mentioned, I live with type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed at 19. Okay. So, yep. So I... A lot of people with Taiwan get diagnosed early, but actually it turns out now more and more people get diagnosed later. So um, I diagnosed in 19. It was kind of like a, it was a weird diagnosis. A lot of people with Taiwan, as you might, as you as you know, they, they don't have any insulin production whatsoever. They go into DKA and they're in the hospital. That's how they get diagnosed. Mine was like, I kept falling asleep. I was losing a little bit of weight. My family started thinking that was a little weird. So I just went to a doctor who's like, well, you know, I was 19. I was partying maybe a little bit hard. Um, (laughs) Maybe, just maybe. Um, He's like, you know, you need to eat well. You need to sleep. But let's just measure your blood sugar. And boom, there was. I had like extraordinarily high blood sugar. So that was the diagnosis. Um, In itself, that it was a weird experience because he just sent me home. This is my primary care doctor. He just sent me home. He's like, you know what? Go see a specialist. This was a Friday, go see a specialist Monday. And I grew up in Denmark, so I was still in Denmark back then um, at 19. And everybody in Denmark bikes, so I biked home uh, from a doctor. And I just remember that bike ride home thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Because he did not, I did not know anybody with diabetes. Nobody in my family has diabetes. I did not, I just didn't know what it was. So I thought I was, I thought he handed me a death sentence. Um, got home. Luckily, my mom is a nurse and really, you know, well known. <laughs> so, so she kind of, you know, explained it to me, and I understand I wasn't dying. And being seeing a specialist the Monday after was perfectly fine. But you know, overall, what that kind of t- tells me, and not tells me, but also talking to a lot of other people living with diabetes, is that well, first of all, that initial, you know interaction with the medical professional around your disease state is really important. Yes. And it, it really is because that's a kind of the, let's say the negative part of my diagnosis story. The positive was when I got to see the specialist, I was assigned a dia, um, diabetes nurse. So pediatric diabetes nurse, because I still, given my age, I still fall, fell in that bucket. Sure. And her name was Lada. And the first thing she said is like, Crystal, this, it sucks. But, and that's a big difference. She said, but this doesn't mean that you can't do anything you want to do. That's right. And that kind of set the whole tone, I think. Well, first of all, I'm kind of the personality who just go do stuff. Um, and then maybe think after sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that just having somebody in your corner who's an authority, because our medical team is, they are authorities, right? Yes. Having somebody there telling you you can and you absolutely will, go do 
is so important. So I also try and, and it really is because, you know, you mentioned the Facebook group. I often see people in the, the Facebook group who are like, you know what? My doctor told me to do A, B, and C, or my doctor told me I can't do this and that. And I think having other people in your corner who can turn around and say, hey, maybe you should question that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you should get a second opinion because yeah. regardless if it's type 1, type 2, type 1.5, digest gestational, whatever it is, we can work around this. So I'm not saying it's easy, always. No, no, absolutely. But you're right because, yeah. um, you know, so much of us, I, 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 know, I know for at least me being, you know, type 2, uh, my mm -hmm. struggle with food is like, um, that's kind of where I hid my low self-esteem. You know what I mean? And then now to maybe have like a doctor saying, you know, um, or maybe shooting down like what you're trying. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it sucks. Um, but you know what? You brought up a really good um, point um, in that. Um, like, let's say, all right. So like, let's say we were mm -hmm. to play like time machine and we went back and let's say now, like you and I were the doctors, right? So when it comes to, um, you know, original diagnoses or, you know, letting mm -hmm. somebody know that they have diabetes, um, if you can go back in time, what would have you have changed if you were maybe, maybe if you were the doctor? Well, I think first of all, when you get a big diagnosis, and this might've been the same for you, you kind of have a brain freeze. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you probably walk, he might've said some good nuggets, but I clearly wasn't catching up. So I think in any learning situation, I would, you know, have had, having had a conversation with me would have been good. Don't talk at me because when I leave the room, I might not remember it. But if we have a conversation about the diagnosis, what does this mean? Yes. You know, maybe prompt the person who was in front of you to ask some questions. Stuff like that can, I think, engage people and also take out you know, punctuate some of those fears that people might initially have. Yeah. Um, but, that, and that's kind of, that's how you do coaching, right? Yeah, just make it more, more personal. And I mean, believe me, I have an awesome medical team now, mm -hmm. but I have also, well, I've been lucky. Let me just say that right out. And not everybody is as lucky as I, I, I have been, but I always tell people, well, if your medical team is not working for you and you have the the option to find somebody else, go do that. Oh my god. They goodness. work for you. Yes. I mean, they work and, and not everybody is as privileged that, you know, some some areas don't have access to, to good med medical professionals and all that. But if you do, you know Why not, right? You have, yeah, you have to be your own advocate. Yes. Really, yeah. And take you know, I also always tell people is that my perspective, especially on diabetes, because it's, I can't say it's a personal disease, but we have to be so hands-on in managing it. And we're there, it's our job 24-7, right? And the medical team are only there, well, every three or six or maybe once a year. So you have to own it. And you have to really educate yourself and understand what's going on. And that for some are really easy and for some it's not so easy. So it's something that we all sort of, yeah, we work on right. Right. Yeah, no, that's so huge. Um, you know, one thing, um, if I can maybe learn a little bit more, uh, is when you were first diagnosed, right? Like, maybe what were some of the ups and downs, if you don't mind sharing, like of um, you know eating? So, if anybody goes, um, you know, on um, to you know diabetes.strong, one of the things that I love about it is just kind of like how um, detailed a lot of the articles are. 
mm-hmm. and the open armed approach, you know, if you will. Um, like, for example, if you go there now, um, you'll see some articles on keto. You'll also see an article on high carb. And I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, everybody's approach is going to be a little bit different. And so, yeah, if you don't mind sharing, like maybe, you know, what were some of your first ups and downs and ultimately how did you find yourself where you're at now? Sure. Uh, that's a long story. <laughs> uh, so, well, first of all, I, again, I was diagnosed in 19. And to be quite honest, I didn't really think that much about, you know, how many carbs can I eat and all that. And I didn't count carbs. I just guessed. Sure. Which I don't do today. Um, and given, so if there's anybody listening who doesn't necessarily know type one that intimately, you know, I have to take insulin for every, everything I do pretty much. Um, so insulin is not an option. It's, it's something I have to do. Uh, and it's just easier when you actually know what you're consuming. So that also means that given I, in the early years, I didn't really count. I didn't really think too much about, I still took my, I, I took my insulin, but I didn't really, you know, fine tune. Sure. That also meant I had, I did not have as tight diabetes control as I do today, meaning my blood sugars were running higher. Um, and they did that for a few years and I didn't think about it because this is kind of before Google really came into place. Uh, this is 1997. Okay. Um, so it's before everybody had a computer in their hand and could right. just do a search, right? right? So I didn't really think about it. I remember going to my doctor at one point, um, and this might be like five, six years later, and we're talking, and all of a sudden he starts talking about these you know, ranges that they like to have us, you know, our blood sugars within. And that was kind of a mind-blowing experience for me. I was like, what? Okay, that means I'm too high. Like, why did you not say anything? And that's kind of when I started tightening things up a little bit. Um, interesting part is I didn't get to sort of what I call my black level, um, knowledge that I have right now until fairly late, because that was not until I really got into exercise fitness. Um, because when I started that journey and let me back up a step, I started that journey in, let me say around eight years ago Okay. after I moved to the U S I moved to California. Um, and basically I moved to, well, right now I live in Santa Monica, California, and this is, I think the, yeah. And this is where all the fit people live. I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So that kind of inspired me. I was like, heck, I want, I want that for me. And just having diabetes, you know, it's, it's not, well, you have to take more things into consideration, right? How does your blood sugar react when you exercise? Yes. Well, so we need to figure all those things out. And I'm like, I'm very structured and analytical and all that. So it's like, okay, I need to, I have my exercise regime down. I worked with a trainer back then. Um, she tells me to eat this and that, that's fine. How do I manage my diabetes? All this, with all these new inputs being exercised in a different diet. Mm-hmm. And I went online and I searched and there was nothing. It was like big gaping silence. And all I've ever been told by medical t- my medical team was, well, if you're going to go exercise, eat 15 grams of carbs, um, which is very limited information. Um, so if anybody's takeaway should be, <laughs> it should be anything. It would be that just eating 50 grams of carbs. Yes, that's one solution, but not the only one. Right. Um, so anyway, given that I couldn't find the information, I couldn't get it from a medical team, I couldn't get it f- online, um, I 
just started experimenting and I started to document. And that's kind of how DiabetesStrong.com came to, came to be. That started out with just me, you know, fiddling and figuring things out. Uh, and then slowly taking small pieces of research, reading up on anything to get my hands on, and sort of supplementing with my own findings. Um, and as I did that, as I started to understand, wow, aerobic, you know, like cardio-ish exercise impacts blood sugars in one way. So that means I need to apply one type of strategy in order to maintain my blood sugars. While anaerobic, say like weight training, hit stuff like that, impacts blood sugars in a slightly different way. Well, that means I need a different strategy for that. Yes. Um, and just just knowing that makes things so much easier. It because is. that also, it, yeah. And I'm, that's always I tell people, well, I can give you the baselines. I can tell you the scientific side of why your blood sugars reacts as they do to exercise specifically. But especially for people who are on um, blood sugar lowering drugs um, like um, insulin, there's also some type 2 drugs that will get impacted by exercise. Um, we need to know this so that we can either eat more or we can reduce our meds because that's the two levers we have to pull, right? Yep. So that was the whole um, sort of how to manage fitness. And I, I know I'm, it's really high level and if people want more detail, please go to the website. There's much yes. more there. Yes. Um, and then with the food, I mean, when you start going into that kind of detail level that I did with tracking every, I tracked everything. Literally everything. Yeah. I weighed out all my food. I measured my blood sugar extensively. This was before you could get really good CGMs, mm -hmm. uh, continuous glucose monitors. I wasn't wearing one back then, so I did it all with you know regular finger sticks. Um, and all of a sudden, I start to see these things to, to your point about food. It's like, huh, a carbohydrate is not just a carbohydrate, you know. Yeah. Uh, a piece of bread and a, a 20 grams of carbs from a piece of bread versus 20 grams of carbs from, a, let's say, an apple doesn't actually necessarily impact my blood sugars the same way. Yeah. It's like, poof, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Night and day well, difference, right? Is. Yeah. And totally the funny is. thing is, yeah, and it won't necessarily impact my blood sugar the same way as it would impact somebody else's blood sugar. True. So that's my other thing is, okay, then all of a sudden you start to figuring out, well, how does the different foods impact you? And also just taking it a step further up, not just what, how does your blood sugar impact, but how do you feel? How, what, and what fuels exercise and what makes you feel drained, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to loop all that back from your question about, you know, taking me through the journey is that the journey has basically been from my, for me, a lot of trial and error, but structured trial and error. Yes. Yes. And here's what's weird, right, is uh, um, two things first off. So for anybody listening right now, if you're thinking like, man, that just that just sounds so far ahead and it sounds so counterintuitive. Here's the crazy part about that. OK, is that it's counterintuitive as it might sound. It's she's right in that it's easier. And here's why. OK, when we start this journey, naturally, we we're starting from point A and we want to get go to point B without maybe taking a quick five to 10, maybe even 30 minutes of just kind of cruising and finding some information. It's a lot like going into the harbor onto the, onto a boat and saying, yeah, I want to go from Los Angeles to Japan, but I don't have a compass. 
You know what I mean? And yeah. simply by learning some of, um, you know, um, what she's talking about up front and how certain exercises can, um, you know, can obviously affect your blood sugar. It is huge. And just by taking five to 10 minutes to read her articles will absolutely save you hours, weeks, if not even months of just chasing your own tail. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I definitely want to get, um, you know, that point across because you're absolutely right. You know, um, in that, yeah, there's, there, there are some structures to it. And the other part there is that, you know, just like you had said, everybody's body is a little bit different. What mm -hmm. they might enjoy is a little bit different. And so yep. when you find the structure and you play with it before you know it, you're on your own path and that path is freedom. And so that that's huge. You know what I mean? That's totally huge. So yeah, if, if you don't mind, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't, uh, I can't help but stress that, um, enough. So thank you for your work again there. So yeah, absolutely. Now, um, when it came to, let's say, let's take a, let's both take a step back here. So, mm -hmm. um, for someone, right. Hearing mm -hmm. this for the first time, they're like, okay, cool. Like I, I, I get that right. Like I need a little bit of a compass before I get into the water. Cool. Mm -hmm. What, uh, Christelle would be some of your first steps. If you were to like maybe work with someone or like, let's say you and I just became friends, you know, what would some of the first steps, like, what would they look like? Or maybe what would some of the questions that you'd want to ask yourself? What would that be? In regards to exercise? Yes, ma'am. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, first thing, and that's actually has got nothing to do with diabetes. It's what do you enjoy? Yes. What gives you joy? Which kind of exercise? Or Sometimes I don't even use the word exercise because some people have some sort of anxiety associated with the word exercise. Yes. So I just talk about movement. I love right? it. Right? Which mm -hmm. kind of movement do you enjoy? Um, and people go like, oh, I don't like I like to sit on the couch. I'm like, okay. That's it. What kind of movement did you enjoy as a kid? Most of us, you know, this, if you're over a certain age, <laughs> most of us did not grow up sitting in front of the, you know, TV playing video games. Yes. Um, so most people have something that they enjoyed as kids. Maybe it was dancing, maybe it was tennis, maybe it was biking. So something, right? So we'll figure that out. So let's say that we find your, your preferred activity. And also then we talk about, well, how much? Because if you're starting from zero, then I don't want your goal to, then your goal, let's rephrase that. Your goal should not be to run a 5K in a month. Right. That's just not realistic, right? And it will only set you up for failure, injuries, and you'll probably never exercise again. True. So let's set some realistic goals. Let's find something you enjoy and let's get you started. So let's say that we find out that, well, you actually used to be really, really into biking. As a kid, you used to bike around the neighborhood all the time. Okay, let's do that. So that is your choice of exercise. For the most part, then we can maybe talk a little bit. Okay, if you're just cruising around your neighborhood, or maybe going fast around your neighborhood, doesn't matter. That kind of exercise would be characterized as aerobic exercise. That means that your heart rate comes up and kind of stays up. And then when you're done, it comes down. Right? So we kind of have like up, and then it's flat for a while, and I'm drawing with my hands, which you can't see. <laughs> That's kind of the idea. Um, the reason why I'm explaining all this is that that type of exercise will impact your blood sugars in one way. So if you are on, as we talked about, drugs like insulin, prandin, some of the other ones that will lower blood sugars for either type 1 or type 2, well, you might see a significant drop in blood sugars for that kind of exercise. So you need to either lower your mass or up your carbohydrate intake in order to not experience a low blood sugar. Because if you're in that types of drugs, then you can actually um, end up with severe low blood sugar, which can 
can be dangerous. Yeah, if you are not treated with any of those drugs, maybe on tablets, maybe you are on a once a week, once a day, whatever, well, you'll still see a decrease in blood sugar. So just knowing that means that you can actually use that effectively yes. to your advantage. Because let's say that you have kind of noticed that you go high every day after lunch. And let's say you have half an hour break after lunch. Why not take your bike out for half an hour and naturally get that blood sugar down? Yes. Boom. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. However, if you had told me that, well, you have always loved lifting weights, which, by the way, and you know me, I would highly encourage everybody to do because it's so good for everybody. It has to, doesn't have to be huge weight. There's some sort of resistance training. So meaning it doesn't even have to be weights. You would be resistant bands, you'd be water your weight, whatever. But let's say that that was your type of exercise. That's characterized as anaerobic for the most part. That means that your heart rate goes up while you're doing your exercise. Then you take a break in between, your heart rate comes down, comes up, comes down, comes up, comes down. So that's a different heart rate profile. That impacts blood sugars differently. For somebody, um, again, who is treated with insulin or something like that, they might actually see their blood sugars go up during the activity, but we'll see it come significantly down after and up to 24 hours, maybe even longer after. Okay. So if you are not treating with that, uh, with insulin or something like that, you might also see a little bit of a spike. So that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing resistant training. It just means that if you want to use your exercise as a here and now lower your blood sugar, then that's probably not the, the type of exercise I would choose for you. So you might do your resistance training later. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. it's it will still give you that impact. As I said, it will lower your blood sugars in the long term. So to sum that up, cardio, heart rate up, stays up flat. It's more of a here and now, lower your blood sugars, and you need to know if you need to imp implement a strategy for that. Anaerobic blood uh, heart rate up, down, up, down, might increase your blood sugar a little bit, you know, for the duration of the workout, maybe a little after, and then it'll come down and you'll have improved glucose profile in up to 24 hours after. Yes. Okay. So that's just knowing that I didn't know that I had to figure that out myself, you know? And again, if you have a specific goal in mind and that's what everything, anything in life, right? You know, need to know the tools that you have in your toolbox. You need to know how to implement them. And also if you, if you don't know the tools and you don't know how the different things impact you, you end up in situations where you don't want to be. You might end up with high blood sugars when you're actually trying to lower them or with low blood sugars, which can be, as we talked about before, really dangerous um, and not to mention uncomfortable. So again, it's all about knowledge. This is true. And knowing it can be done. Absolutely. Now, um, when it does come, to like say let's say somebody just heard this and like you know Krista you are right on the button I think I'm gonna try this weightlifting thing because we just you know we just covered the aerobic thing right so like let's say mm -hmm. your favorite was you know like like uh, dancing or biking or something cool we covered that for someone maybe starting on you know like weightlifting uh, do you have any recommendations or any favorites that uh, you typically start your uh, you know uh, working with your your people on um if this is brand new to you. I would suggest that you, and let's say, again, it depends on your starting point. Yes. Right? 
as we talked about before, if you're not used to doing anything, you need to take it slow. It might be bodyweight exercises. What is a bodyweight exercise? Well, bodyweight exercise are basically exercise you can do at home if you want to or in, out in the yard, wherever, um, using your own body as resistance, right? So utilizing gravity. So that's stuff like push-ups. It can be on your knees. I don't care. As long as you're challenged, <laughs> you can totally do it on your knees or up against the wall. That's standing, you know, pushing away from the wall. Um, that's a starting, a starter version of the push-up. It can be air squats, meaning that you simply stand, uh, weight on your heels, and then you squat down as far down as you can. If it's only a little, that's fine, and you stand up again. Stuff like that. You can do dips. You can do a lot of different. So actually, I do have workout videos. I just remember that on my website. So if you if you need you know guidance on how to do a home workout, just go to the website and look at one of the videos. They're free. Um, if you want to add a little more resistance at home, get some resistance bands. They're like 10 bucks. So you can get a whole gym for 10 bucks. So that's a pretty good deal, I think. Um, and start using those. Again, there's videos on that. If you move up and want to do weights and you've never done weights before, I do recommend that you see a trainer, at least for the first, you know, just to show you the ropes right. of things. If you sign up for a gym, you usually get a session with somebody who's going to show you around the gym and how to use their equipment. Yes. Um, so I would say use that. Um, and if, if you want to engage with a trainer in the long term, just make sure it's somebody who understands your goals, who understands diabetes, if you do live with diabetes, um, and who who knows what they're doing. Right. <laughs> so look at their credentials, right? Right, right. Um, maybe even talk to some former clients of theirs if you're looking for a long-term, um, let's call it partner, because the trainer should be that. The reason why I say you should choose somebody who knows diabetes is that if this is completely new to you, it is nice to work with somebody who knows how to optimize training for your diabetes management. Yes. So if somebody, let's say that you, well, again, it depends on if you're insulin or not, but if you don't know enough to go in and be successful in the gym and your trainer doesn't, then it's a sure you know, yeah. recipe for it not being optimal. Right. Let's say it like that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the last thing you want to do is walk in there, somebody have you, you know, what starts as, oh, yeah, here's how to, you know, work a machine. And then when it comes to diet, they're having you do like big carb cycles or something like that. Like, yeah, you're probably going to get hurt, you know. So, yeah, you're totally yeah. right. Um, and something that you brought up was just really cool, which is, yeah, um, and which I never even considered was, yeah, ask, you know, one of their clients. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, hey, you know, like how did you know how did how did it work out? You know, working with so and so, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's an that's an awesome tip. You know, um, one thing um, I definitely wanted to cover here because we covered a lot. You know, when it does come to the highs and lows of blood sugar in exercise, uh, you mm -hmm. know, being that you are the expert at it. So let's say I just heard what you had to say and I loved everything you had to say like last fifteen minutes, but now it just dawned on me that like man, there's so much you know, going on with all this high and low blood sugar stuff when it comes to exercise, like how can I get over that fear? Or how can I get over that uh, paralysis, if you will? Yeah, I mean, there's two types of fear, I think in regards to, um, to exercise. Um, the first one is the one that you mentioned that's related to, to blood sugars, especially people are 
I meet a lot of people who are really afraid of, of having low blood sugars. Yeah. Um, and for some people it's, it's paralyzing and it's a, it's a real fear. It's, it's, it's given that, you know, when you start exercising, if you're on insulin or some of the other drugs we talked about, well, there's a real chance of you going low if you don't know what you're doing. Right. So the way that I tackle that is first of all, it's through education because the reason why people go low is because people don't necessarily understand the mechanisms that's going on. Right. So some people are not aware that, yes, they are allowed to lower their insulin, you know, without a doctor's prescription, uh, a doctor telling them to. They should, of course, discuss it with their doctor first. Sure. And if they discuss it with their doctor, the doctor will say, yes, you know, yeah. for exercise, you should lower your insulin. They just tend to, I won't say forget to tell us. Right. <laughs> and again, back to, you know, what we talked about, the diagnosis, sometimes you just don't necessarily hear everything that's being said. Right. Or you don't ask a question when you see a doctor. Um, so it's talking about, okay, what, what strategies can you implement in order to not go low? Right. And so that's the first thing it's information. And then often if, if people are really, you know, paralyzed by fear, I will start, I would suggest that they start slowly. So maybe start in the gym. Don't go out running, start inside a gym where you can have all your gear right next to you. You have your glucose taps, you have a Gatorade if you need that, you have a juice, whatever. All of that right there in front of you on the treadmill. And then you do 10 minutes and then you check in on your blood sugars and see what's going on. Nice. Right. So just yeah. learning, also learning to trust the process because it's nice that people trust me, <laughs> but not right. everybody does like right off the bat and that's completely fair. Right, right. I think the other thing that can be really so, that's not necessarily blood sugar related that can be paralyzing is that people again, I think I mentioned that before, can have a lot of fear associated with just the word exercise. Yeah, negative connotation. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you're not used to it or if you had bad experiences, I mean, I, I've had that. I remember going for a run and I had severe abdominal pain during that run. So to the extent where I couldn't walk, I had to like, well, I could, I could walk. I had to walk home, almost crawl home, right? And I could feel that after that, I was really hesitant to go running because I had a fear that that, that pain would come back. Um, so just using that example is that, well, you just get on there, you know, back on the horse or whatever. But another thing is also talk about, well, what is exercise? And maybe, you, well, you don't have to run and you don't have to run 5K or 10 or a marathon or whatever. Do something, start slowly and do something that you like and then build up. Or, you know, run for half of the run and walk the other half and just see what happens. So to sum that up, do something that you like that we talked about before and take it in steps yes. and implement, yes. right? Absolutely. And something that uh, um, you'll, you'll be, um, you know, when you start playing with these ideas, the cool thing about what she's saying um, and something that I actually saw with a, a personal friend of mine is that, um, you know, forms of movement, right, or forms mm -hmm. of exercise, if you will, can take on a lot of different faces and names, okay? Mm -hmm. And so don't be afraid to get out there and play. So, for example, um, I was actually just talking to this, uh, talking about this with another gentleman, a friend of mine, 
from uh, from grade school. Her name was Andrea. Uh, we were both, you know, pretty decent size growing up. And I later found out through Facebook that, you know, she does these pole dancing things. Right. So, you know, me, I've, I've known and loved this, you know, loved her since we were like kids, like, 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 like sister, you know what I mean? Like she's such a cool person. And so the first time I saw it, I was like, ah, you know, like covered my eyes. Like, what is this? Uh, but, <laughs> but what uh, the cool thing about it is when I kind of disassociated myself with that, and I first thought like, dude, yeah, right. You know, like get, get in the gym or whatever. But then what I realized is I was like, okay, cool. Let's separate my thinking here for a minute. And let's look at what she's doing. She's suspending herself by her legs upside down. So she's engaging her legs, her core. When she comes back up, you know, she's fully engaged, uh, you know, throughout, uh, you know, throughout her entire midsection. Um, she's doing these different moves that are building her arms and her shoulders and her chest and her back. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cannot take that away from anybody. You know what I mean? And that's awesome. You know, it's a hardcore workout. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. You know, and it's funny the, um, you know, even just on a personal note, um, at one time I thought the same thing about yoga and I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? And then I couldn't even last for like three minutes. I'm like, what the heck is this? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, it's like you're beating yourself up. It's crazy, but it's one of the most liberating things. You know, you feel phenomenal afterward. Um, but yeah, you know, um, just like Crystal was saying, you know, um, um, you know, get in there and, and play, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, just try different things and it's movement. Movement, movement. I love that. I, I've never even considered that before. I always just, it's funny that you say that, you know, um, because for me personally, I've always been like the token fat guy. So anytime I heard exercise and I never really had it broken down until you actually said that is like, let's not even use that word. Let's use movement. Um, yeah, I love it. I totally love that. That's totally cool. Um, and so, um, in, in that regard, um, let's say, you know, let's say, uh, they take you up on your word and like, you know what, you know, you're right. So I started riding my bike or maybe I started with some good old fashioned, you know, like uh, resistance bands and I watched some of your videos or maybe even some other videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, how, what would maybe be like the next step? So they're like, all right, cool. I kind of find myself a little, you know, kind of comfortable here. And, and a lot of people mm -hmm. that are probably listening to this are kind of at that spot. They started walking, right. Or maybe mm -hmm. started some light lifts or something. Um, what, what do you see as maybe like a next step to take it, you know, just beyond where they're at now in a way that they're still comfortable? Well, I mean, you can always start doing something else if you want. So if you started walking, maybe start biking yes. or maybe start like opping up to like jock, um, or start dancing. You know, it's just doing something different. So basically the body is, our bodies are super smart. So they can really use to, to a specific type of movement relatively quickly, right? So that's one of the reasons why we, and when I say get used to it, it just means that, you know, it becomes a little bit repetitive. It doesn't get as challenging. So that's why we usually recommend that you switch up your fitness program every four to six weeks, especially if you're doing resistance training. And switching it up doesn't have to meet a complete mean a complete overhaul. It can also just be, uh, you know, tweaks. In the sense that if you are in, if you're already in the gym lifting weights, well, instead of doing a regular pull down, which is where you take the bar, pull it to your chest, well, maybe do it reversed. You know, move your hands around. Just that is a significant change. Or up the weight, up the amount of reps. If we are at home and only have limited amount of equipment available, let's say we only have resistant bands, 
going from 10 reps to 15 reps can make a big difference. Try one where you just go until you can't do anymore. So stuff like that, adding on and just doing things a little differently will keep uh, will continue to keep you challenged. Wow, I love that. Yeah, because I, you know, um, something that we see a lot of online is exactly the opposite of what you're saying, and I love that because, um, you know, we all kind of find ourselves in a groove. That groove can is kind of cool because it takes us, you know, gets us started, right? Mm -hmm. And then before we know it, it's kind of like our safety blanket, right? And then what um, the way that I actually was taught because that, that safety blanket ends up being next thing you know, like a plateau in growth a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And the old school way that I was taught to get over that is do the exact opposite. So what you're saying is, hey, just make a minor change and you can still keep that growth, um, you know, but you're still not out of, um, you know, you're not out of, uh, you know, your range, which I, I totally dig that. I totally dig that. Yeah. But I mean, if you're getting bored, change it up. Right. Again, <laughs> so. So I think my point was also is it doesn't have to be scary. Yes. It can be a little scary, but it doesn't have to be super, you know, crippling scary. Right. Um, and sometimes it can be fun to try something new. Absolutely. And sometimes you try something new and you go like, holy cow, I will never do this again. And that's completely fine. You tried it. Right? Yeah. I mean, my example is always spinning. You know, spinning classes. So a spinning class for me is something that I looked at and thought, oh my God, people look like they're having fun. My mom loves it. I have girlfriends who love it. People love it. And so I got myself a class pass. So class pass is one of those where you pay a certain amount. You can try out classes different places. And I tried eight different spinning classes. And I hated every eight of them. I hated them. <laughs> like, okay. Fair enough. I've given this a fair try. This is not for me. Moving on, doing something else. So I think it's it's okay to find what works for you, and it's okay to say some things just don't. Um, but no, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you know what? On that um, note, because they're relative, at the same time, let's change gears here for a little bit. A little bit. Um, I think one of the biggest um, sore spots that we see here. Um, so obviously we have like a, like a negative connotation with the word exercise, right? So we change that mm -hmm. to movement, right? Um, I know that for, um, you know, a lot of folks like myself that started morbidly obese and stuff like that, the same thing exists with the word diet. Right? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. one of the things, like I said earlier, that I absolutely love, you know, about your site is really kind of like, it's just an, it's an open arms approach, right? So you, um, on there, instead of, every being, you know, black and white, one diet and one way versus the, mm -hmm. the other, um, you know, you'll actually see, Hey, like here's an article, here's a few articles and some things on keto. Hey, here, look, here's another article on high carb. And, mm -hmm. um, what I absolutely love about that is just the transparency, you know, um, and the willingness just to be open armed, um, you know, and, and willing to try, I mean, for, you know, diet per se, um, mm -hmm. What do you think when working with people are some of the first steps that maybe they should take, you know, in, in moving from, let's say, a bunch of fast food and convenient food, if you will, um, you yeah. know, to, to take starting that journey off when it comes to food? Well, food is so hard. It's one of the, we have to eat, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really happy what, first of all, your takeaway from the site, because we have, um, it's been firm belief of mine is that there's not one way that fits all. Um, I've tried a lot of things, figured out what definitely didn't work and figured out a few things that worked. And sure. 
you know, um, one of the things that I often have a conversation with people about is that, well, food is nourishment. There's no things, there's no such thing as bad or good food. Food does not have feelings and it does not have a personality. There are foods that will nourish you more and there, so there's food that will nourish your soul, let's say like that, and your happiness, and there's some that will nourish your muscles and your bones. Um, so in that way, and then usually what I suggest people do is that, well, if you want to figure out, you know, how to change your eating habits, make small changes. Very few people can do a, a complete turnaround, you know, throw out everything and only eat, you know, let's call it whole foods, everything that comes directly out of the ground um, in one go. They right. might do it for one or two weeks and then they fail. So let's just make changes, you know, smaller changes and accept that things take time. Oh, gosh, I think that's huge. Yes. It is. That's not something where I'm not good at it. You know, most people are not good at it. In this time of age, none of us are good at it. We want everything, you know, pressure of a button, right? Yes, we want it overnight. Yes, exactly. Yesterday. Um, and just realizing that that's not going to happen. So you need to start to make small changes. So start figuring out, you know, well, what, what is your goal? If your goal is weight management or weight loss, um, well, you need to be in a calorie de deficit, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's step one. Um, so figuring out what that is. What I usually say is, well, you can calculate, you can calculate on my site. I have a free calculator. Um, but everybody, so I work with people one-on-one -on -one as well. So anybody I work one-on-one -on -one with on nutrition, what I always have people do is I have them track everything they eat and all the calorie drinks for a minimum of five to seven days. Why do I do that? It's not to you know point fingers at things or anything. It's simply to figure out, well, what are they doing right now? Yeah. Because some people who come to me and want to lose weight have been under eating for so long that taking their calories further down is only going to hurt them even more. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and some people, when I look at their nutrition, it's super easy to see what small, and let me say small tweaks need to be made because it might not be what they're eating. It might be the composition, right? Maybe they're kind of overdoing it on the fats or overdoing it on the carbs. Mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, I haven't met a single one who overdid it on protein. Um, it's always the two other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because fats are healthy. Yes, they are. But there's too much of a good thing. Yes. And yeah. If you eat seven avocados a day and a lot of nuts and then all your other nutrition's on top, then you, depending on your size, of course, is most, you're most likely going to end up in a calorie a surplus. And so it's a lot about figuring out, you know, which changes to make that makes an impact for you. And honestly, it's really hard to make a different, uh, make a changes if you don't know your baseline. Yes. So that's back to tracking what you do. And it can be really tedious to do on, on, with pen and paper. So I recommend some of the free apps you can get, like Lucid, or my favorite is MyFitnessPal. Mm hmm which, full disclosure, if anybody picks it up for the first time, it's a pain in the butt the first one or two days. And when you get to know it, it's super easy. Yes. <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. people start in and they're like, oh, my God, I can't do this. Um, but it gets easier. Absolutely. You know what, though? Um, let's, let's touch on something here because mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I absolutely love 
um, about your Facebook group when we when we talk about um, and one of the the resources I definitely want to give you now for anybody listening is um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Some Facebook groups, um, you know, don't get me wrong, if whether they be like paleo or uh, vegan or keto or whatever, mm-hmm. um, sure, you know, there's a lot of really good um, resources there. But one thing that I love about your um, group specifically is that um, everybody puts everything out on the table mm. and the amount of support, you know what I mean? Which yeah. I think is awesome because that also takes us back to, um, you know, let's say you were someone like, um, like me, who's always been big their entire life. And the minute that you have your own doctor, like maybe crapping on what you're doing or mm-hmm. maybe not giving you, um, you know, information. And then coincidentally, if you're at home and you're the only one dealing with diabetes, you know, you're, you're literally all alone. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that is definitely a place where that's not the case. Um, and then the cool thing I like about it too, is that people, um, where some folks, they don't want to talk about, you know, going off and they almost shame you. Like, for example, I was part of this one keto group and this person was just being honest, um, about, you know, um, some issues they were having doing that diet. And the next thing Mm -hmm. you know, you know, everyone's jumping on them. And for me personally, I actually got kicked out of a couple um, doing that because I ended up having um, I was basically at the time I was doing um, extended fasting and it's my fault. Okay, so not the diet's fault, but at the same time I was looking for help and the next thing you know I got kicked out uh, because oh. I was basically over exercising. Um, I was doing extended fast. I was like doing two days at the time and then mm. um, you know my ketone level just went way through the roof and I'm like, dude, what's going on? And I had you know I had to like knock myself out of ketosis. Well, for them it was like. Hey, you had a piece of bread. You suck, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, dude, like what are you doing? Like, so, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's talk about that because that's something I absolutely love. Um, you know, about your group is peer support. So, yeah, if we can give maybe some people some context into that, or maybe introduce them in your world, um, let's do that. You know, oh, for sure. So, when did I start it? Oh boy. So, well, basically, is that we have the website diabetesstrong.com, and the group is. Some websites will have like their peer support on their group or, or on their site, sorry, sort of a forum thing. So what we just decided was, oh, let's let's put it on Facebook because, you know, that's where people are. Um, so it started out as part of uh, a challenge I did. I did a stronger diabetes challenge, um, and that's got to be two two years ago, maybe okay. maybe two and a half. Uh, did a challenge and for everybody who participated in the challenge, it was like a free challenge. The first one was six weeks, way too long. Next one was four. Um, and whoever signed up for the challenge, I just encouraged them to join the Facebook group. So that's kind of how to start it. Now we're down to, we're only doing, we did a challenge in January, which was a weight loss challenge because Mm -hmm. a lot of people need support with that in January. Um, and the next, we'll most likely do one again next January. Um, but that's kind of how it started, and then it just kept growing, <laughs> yeah. and it, it, it's still growing, um, which is amazing. And what I love about that group, and I'm extremely proud of that group, so I'm, I'm glad you like it. What I'm so proud of is this is all types of diabetes. This yes. is not a type 1 or a type 2 group. This is all types of diabetes. It's caregivers as well, um, and everybody can coexist. Yeah. Absolutely. And so for anybody listening to this and they're like thinking of themselves like, man, like, 
yeah, but you know, I'm a type two, like, what does this have to do? Or insulin resistance is so different from having, you know, your body not uh, produce insulin, but it responds to it. Well, I mean, here, here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Okay. Like, uh, because our bodies all in every way are unique to ourselves, like our own fingerprint, one of the best things that I think any type two diabetic can learn is how does somebody who's playing the game and who's playing this game for a lot longer and or has been, you know, so many miles ahead of you, how do they play it? Because if you can model just a couple of things here and there. So, for example, um, Christelle dropped so much information when it comes to exercise alone, let alone in the diet portion, if you were to simply take one, maybe two of her ideas, play with it, make it yours, alter it the same exact way that she said that she took in her direction to see where she's at or to get where she's at right now. Well, guess what? You've won. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole thing. And so, yeah, I can't, um, I absolutely cannot touch on that value enough. Um, because I think it's so vitally important, you know, for everybody. Thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, people ask questions, right? It's, if, if newcomers come to the group, they'll see, actually, I'm not as active in the group anymore as I have been in the past. Uh, and that's just because it's kind of, it's kind of running. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there's questions that's related to, well, insulin, there's questions related to uh, people on metformin or some, some other diet and exercise only, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always somebody who answers. And it's not necessarily me. So that's a whole point of peer support, right? It's finding support from somebody who's been in similar shoes as yours. Yes. Uh, I do some, but sometimes have people ask, well, is this a type one group or is this a type two group for that matter? I'm like, nope, it's for whatever you are group, as long as it's related to diabetes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that also means that if newcomers come in and they, they ask to join the group, so it's diabetes strong community. And if they ask to join the group, they will be asked, what is your relationship to diabetes? And we don't collect this information. This is simply because we don't want snake oil salesmen, yes. all that stuff in the group. So we have that once in a while. They come in, we throw them out as quickly as we can. Yes. Um, because, you know, yeah, you won't see. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need that. We don't need that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> sweep, sweep them under the rug, you know? Um, yes. Okay. Very, very cool. Now, um, speaking of like those challenges, if there's anything that maybe we might also be able to learn from you, um, you know, in the beginning, um, what were maybe some of the biggest, like maybe mistakes and or challenges that you went through and, um, you know, how did you overcome them? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think one of the major things was trying to do everything on my own. Obviously, that has led to a lot of good things and a whole website and all. But um, basically, we're all 30 million people in the U.S. with diabetes, right? No. There's no reason why you have to do this alone. So not as it comes to your care, but also to, as the emotional part. Um, and for me, it wasn't that I wasn't seeking out the community at first. I just I didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know there was an online diabetes community. And the online diabetes community has been around for a long time. So I always kind of tell people, well, for the first 15 years of my diabetes, I was kind of in the closet. And then I came jumping out and started a website. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, there's other people out there. 
and you get to interact. And the thing is, when you interact with others, even those things where you're like, I've always done it this way, it kind of works. And then somebody else says, well, I always is this way. It kind of works for me. And you start to see other ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can just, you know, help you tremendously. Also, if you're having a bad day, it is, or having your blood sugar suck for no reason other than your hormones are, you know, acting up or you're stressed out or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's nice to know that there are other people out there who can relate that you can reach out to. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think this, so that's definite community. The second part is not necessarily being in the driver's seat when it came to my diabetes, as we talked about, you know, in the start, I was kind of just taking my insulin and whatever and not really knowing that I could have better care. As I have gone, uh, grown with my diabetes, let's say that it's been 20 years now. Um, I've got a way better understanding of, well, where, where do I, what's a comfortable range for me to be at from a blood sugar perspective? Um, and how do I get there? Wow, and I love this those questions. Does, yeah, it doesn't require me necessarily to check in with my, oh, well, I'll check in with her once in a while, but in most parts she agrees, so that's good. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's more about, you know, figuring things out and being in the driver's seat. Yeah. And the last thing as it comes to food and exercise, you know, food is not bad. Food is not good in, inherently. But there's some things that work better for me than others. So, for example, I've tried keto. That was not for me. Mm-hmm. My hormones went out of whack. Everything went whack and I gained weight like crazy. That was not the goal of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm never going to do that again. But yeah. I've tried it. I know kind of what works for me. I need a certain level of carbohydrates. I do a little bit of a higher protein. That works for me. Yeah. Uh, and for exercise, it needs to be fun. You know what, though? Uh, one small point. Um, that I'd love to hear you expand on um, because, you know, so many people are like, and you touched on some of it, but I definitely want to make sure that you have a chance to air everything out there is, you know, I've done this for, for whatever, or, you know, for so long and this works for me or whatever, or sometimes there's a part where there's a time where, and I know it happened for me doing a particular diet for so long um, that we get burned out, right. Mm-hmm. Or that we get to a point of or overwhelm. Um, you know, what would you have to say when it comes to being overwhelmed, um, or going through burnout? What, what's something that you can probably give us there? Um, well, now you mentioned burnout. I mean, if we talk about diabetes burnout as such, which is a real thing, there's definitely levels of burnout, um, in the sense that that can be the, ugh, this sucks today all the way through. I can't deal with this. I don't want to take my meds. I just want to crawl under covers and forget about my diabetes. Um, so obviously, depending on where you're at, um, I would suggest that if you are out, you know, not taking your meds, covering under the cover, uh, hiding under the covers, that might be a professional conversation you need to have with somebody. You know, if you have access to a psychologist, that could be a good one. There are some specialized in diabetes. Um I am not an expert on uh, on burnout. I do have a good resource on the website who is a woman named Ginger Vera. She even wrote a whole book about it. And her, so I I can't credit these tips as being mine. It's hers. But her her tips are, you know, 
try and figure out what the culprit is. Why are you going through this? What is it that has you in such a burnout? So is it, if you go back to, you also mentioned diet, is it because you feel like everything is so restricted that you can only eat veggies and protein? Or is it, you know, because something else? And when you find the culprit, then start saying, well, what can I do in order to move past this, right? So take it in steps. And that can be, I think that can be really hard to do by yourself, uh, especially if you're deep in the, in the pit. So reach out to your community. Maybe have a friend help you. Um, not necessarily diabetes related, but just being on a diet, I find that people often burn out when they try to do th things too much and too extreme. Um, and that's again, yeah, it's back to the all or nothing mentality. And I think one of those things that are really coming out right now is called um, flexible dieting, which is a concept that basically talks about, well, yes, we need to reach our goals and all that, but it has to be as full human beings. And it needs to be in a way that also allows us for still having social a social life where we can maybe go out for dinner once in a while. Right. Uh, or if all we can think about for a whole day is a cookie, then have a cookie. You know, yeah. as yeah. I said up front, ultimately it'll be a question about being in a calorie deficit. And just, of course, there's carve out to that, and there's all sort of other things going on. There's hormones and all that, but I'm saying in the overall picture, picture, in that's general. what it comes down to. Yes. 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 Um, yes. So, and I've. I've fallen into that pit plenty of times. It had to be all or nothing. And then you end up being so restrictive for so long that a lot of people, myself included, ended up rebounding and maybe go binge or something like that. Yes. In order to prevent that, again, we have to figure out how to live a little more flexible. Yes, and I absolutely thank you for saying that because in the community, not yours in particular, I'm just saying, you know, diabetes in general, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times there's this whole, you know, uh, this mentality where it has to be all or nothing. And then what nobody talks about is if you do that to yourself for so long, you're going to break, like something's going to give, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I believe that is where we definitely just want to wrap up there. Um, real quick, let's get into a couple of quick lightning round. This is going to be a lightning round of questions where I literally <laughs> just throw you some goofy curveballs. It's almost like word association. So I'm going to throw something at you and then just throw at me whatever the first thing is that come to your mind. You ready? Uh-huh. All right, here we go. <laughs> Question number one, who was your childhood hero? My grandma. Oh, I love that. Okay, cool. Um, what did you have for breakfast? Eggs, chicken, and Ezekiel bread. Perfect. Um, I got to try that, by the way. Okay, cool. It's awesome. Okay, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Um, very cool. Um, what inspires you to help other people? The feedback I get. Mm, okay, very cool. Um, if you were to go back in time to the 19-year-old you walking out of the doctor's office, what, were the, what would be the three things that you would give yourself right coming out of, the doc, coming out of that office? You're not about to die. This is not a death sentence. <laughs> that would be the first one. You're going to be okay. You're still going to be able to do all the things that you want to do. And believe it or not, this is going to lead to a career for you. Oh, I love that. Okay, very, very cool. And then last, very, very last thing is, um, so let's say 
right? So let's say we were going to die and there would be one thing, one thing that we can leave to all diabetics, uh, one message, if you will, that would either be to inspire them, motivate them, or even educate them. What would that be? In one sentence? Or one thing, <laughs> one thing. It can be one any thing. idea. Yes. Wow, any idea. Um, any idea? Well, it, it always sounds so corny, but live to the fullest. I mean, don't do what you want to do. Bingo. I love it. I love it. All right. Awesome. Christelle, I loved having you on. Um, you know, maybe someday we can definitely do this again. I loved your <laughs> insight. Um, everything you. about uh, this chat was awesome. Again, if you want to learn more, please go to diabetesstrong.com. Phenomenal resource when it comes to diet, exercise, community. Again, the community she has is on Facebook under Diabetes Strong. And so, yes, Christelle, ma'am, I just want to absolutely thank you for, you know, for hanging out. Definitely appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Huge shout out to Crystal. Thank you for being on the show. And look, if you want show notes to this episode, you can go to lifeovertype2.com backslash episode six. Again, that's lifeovertype2.com backslash episode six. And we'll see you in the next one.